Chapter Fifteen of the Life and Times of Kateri Tekakwitha, the Lily of the Mohawks, by Ellen Walworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hot Ashes Plans Tekakwitha's Escape. The Indian chief Louis Garanhiagwe, known to the English as Hot Ashes, and called by the French La Poudre Chude or La Sandre Chude was as his name implies a quick-tempered impulsive and fiery man he was an oneida by birth and was known to have been one of the executioners of the heroic missionary brebeuf who with his companion lalemant was tortured and slain in the huron country by iroquois warriors since that time hot ashes had become a christian his career and character are interesting and characteristic of the times as this impetuous chief dogique and apostle was bold enough to come forward and assist the lily of the mohawks to escape from her uncle's lodge to the sous st louis some further account of him may well be given hot ashes had been betrothed to his wife in childhood they had lived together from the time he was eight years old the violence of his nature was held in check to a certain extent by the unalterable patience the gentleness and the yielding disposition of his worthy squaw their union was what chauchetier calls one of the good marriages that are sometimes made among the savages hot ashes was chief or captain of his village in the oneida country and was held in high esteem by his tribesmen his own quick temper was the cause of his leaving them at one time the question of moving the village to a new site an event of frequent occurrence among the indians gave rise to a quarrel between the leading chiefs while still angry on this account hot ashes went off to the hunt thereupon a second event occurred of so irritating a nature that he was enraged beyond all bounds news came to him that his favorite brother had been killed the bearer of the news did not tell him who had committed the fatal deed the furious and excitable chief immediately persuaded himself that it had been done by the french without waiting to learn the particulars he hurried off toward montreal to wreak his vengeance on the canadian settlers on his way however he learned that his brother had been killed in an entirely different quarter and not by these people at all hot ashes was now in a quandary what should he do next he was near the praying castle on the st lawrence whose hospitable doors were always open to travellers and he paused there for a time to consider the situation the indians of that place liked him from the first he soon made friends among them and his wife was charmed with the quiet orderly and peaceful life of the christian indians who dwelt there hot ashes thus had ample time to cool down and think matters over should he now decide to return to his own country he would feel bound to avenge his brother's death according to custom on the people by whom he had been slain he knew that this would involve his whole nation in a bloody war this he disliked to do for when not in a tempest of anger hot ashes was a generous good-hearted man then too the longer he remained at the sioux the more contented and calm he became won over by his wife garhoet he consented to be instructed and to be baptized with his whole family 
The baptism of so important a chief was a great event for the mission. All his own people who were in the vicinity, and many even from the distant Oneida country, assembled at the praying castle for the occasion. A number of these remained and became Christians. There were soon so many Oneidas dwelling at the Sioux that they needed a ruler of their own nation, and Hot Ashes was chosen to preside over them. He thus became the fourth Dojique, or captain of the praying castle. He soon ranked first of all in importance, notwithstanding the ability of his staunch friend Crin, the great Mohawk. Still, his unruly temper would break forth at times as it did on the occasion of his reception as captain. The men of the Sioux assembled in due form, lighted the fire for him, gave him the calumet to smoke, and went through all the ceremonies, save one, which most unfortunately was forgotten. Hot ashes, indignant at the oversight, went to Father Fremont, the missionary, and gave vent to his ire. He said that they had mocked him, that they had treated him like a child, that he was a chief without a mat, that he would be obliged to hold his counsel out of doors. In short, he could not be pacified, till the old men reassembled and the whole ceremony from beginning to end was gone over. Once duly installed, Hot Ashes ruled the village with ability and vigor up to the time of his death. He outlived Tecuquitha and was finally killed in battle. Many incidents are told of his courage, piety, and zeal, his devotion to his religion and the good of the settlement, and also of his tenderness to his wife while suffering from grievous ailments which afflicted the later years of her life. He had a natural talent for exhorting and teaching. He won many of his own people to Christianity, and when war was threatened, he did what he could to maintain peace between the Oneidas and the French. While thus engaged, he was suspected of double dealing. But taking no notice of the evil things that were said of him, Hot Ashes held to his own disinterested course, with head erect, confiding in his good wife, who alone remained true to him, till at last he succeeded in living down all suspicion of treachery on either side. He it was, more than all others, who opposed and prevented the introduction of the liquor traffic into the settlement at the Sioux. A lively incident is given by Chauchetier to show his love of temperance. Soon after his baptism he chanced to be hunting at the end of the island of Montreal, when he fell in with a band of Oneidas. They were being supplied with liquor by an unscrupulous Canadian trader. They sat around a great bowl of fire-water, from which they drank freely, and which was constantly replenished by the crafty Frenchman. Hot Ashes was asked to join them. He did so through courtesy, and drank with the rest. Finding that he was expected and urged to take more than he ought, an expedient came into his ready brain for preventing further mischief. As there were older men than himself in the band, it would not have been considered proper for him to reprove them openly. This, then, is what he did. He stood up and began to sing like a drunken man and to dance. Suddenly he pretended to take a false step, and at the same time gave the bowl a great kick with his foot. This scattered its contents over the ground. 
the indians not suspecting his intention looked upon the accident as a good joke they began to laugh uproariously and to make fun of hot ashes who went on with his mimicry in the meantime night came on and they thought no more of drinking but all fell asleep hot ashes then retired well pleased with having put a stop to the debauch other anecdotes might be given to show the character and spirit of this indian but it is enough to know that he was just the one to assist the lily of the mohawks in the accomplishment of her now well-defined purpose to escape at all hazards and turn from her uncle's lodge to the praying castle tekakwitha's adopted sister already in canada knew well the condition of affairs in the mohawk country and above all in the lodge of the chief with whom she had formerly lived at caughnawaga she was fully aware that tekakwitha's life there as a christian would necessarily be a thorny one she and her husband often spoke of the unhappy condition in which the young mohawk was placed and of the desirability of having her with them when it became known that hot ashes was about to visit the long house of the five nations on an errand of zeal they realized at once that the wished-for opportunity had come they would now be able to assist tekakwitha the united chief intended to speak to his people concerning the faith that was in him and to persuade as many of them as possible to return with him to the sioux tekakwitha's brother-in-law urged by his wife resolved to accompany hot ashes on his proposed journey and in order to make sure of his carrying out his own immediate purpose which was to bring his sister-in-law back with him he took into his confidence a good friend of his from lorette a mission village of the hurons near quebec this indian of lorette and the brother-in-law of tekakwitha consulted with hot ashes and the three together planned their journey as best they could beforehand then they stepped lightly into a canoe just large enough to hold them and soon were speeding southward over lake champlain and thence through lake george on their way to the mohawk valley ah tekakwitha why is your step so weary there in the village street why do you pause at the cabin door as though you did not care to enter why are you sad and faint have they hidden the food away from you again lest you should find a morsel to eat and will you be greeted with angry words if you enter your uncle's lodge is it no easier for you to bear it now than it was at first poor child you are both hungry and hungry-hearted human nature is strong within you to-day the craving for peace and comfort and human love will not be hushed and trampled under by faith and the hope of a far-away heaven has warwinio forgotten the mohawk girl she seems to be drifting away from the sound of his voice the strength of her spirit is gone she is sad unto death why not give up the struggle at once go into the lodge and consent to do like the rest for one who has grown too weary to swim it can scarcely be wrong to drift with the current are these your thoughts tekakwitha see they have startled her out of her weariness with a sudden return of energy and a quick determination as if afraid to trust herself in the lodge she turns and takes the path to the chapel she will find the black gown if it is possible to do so 
she will tell him her wicked thoughts and be guided by what he says he is wise and good he can tell her how to chase such thoughts away and perhaps she can keep them from coming back at all events he will speak to her the comforting words of forgiveness and tell her to go in peace then she will be sure that rawenio loves her and is not angry she knows the path so well that she quickly comes within sight of the chapel as it is not her usual hour for prayer no one is around to waylay or disturb her close at hand is de lamberville's cabin tekakwitha does not find him at once for the black gown has guests they are christian indians who have come from the sioux and there are three of them father de lamberville is well pleased to have such visitors he welcomes the christians from the sioux who come to the mohawk as if they were angels from heaven he gladly receives them into his cabin and leaves them free to come and go as they please one could see the spirit of christianity and the mortification of the passions depicted on the faces of these new apostles the novelty of seeing and hearing them on this occasion has already attracted a crowd of indians to the spot one of the black gown's guests has risen to make a speech tekakwitha finds herself in the midst of the old men and the chiefs of kanawaga who are assembled there and she listens with eager interest to all that is said her uncle is away on a visit to the dutch which happens well for her it is no less a personage than hot ashes who is addressing the people in his impetuous headlong way he tells them that as they all know he was formerly captain at oneida that he was a warrior that he acted like them in those days but that after all he was only a dog that he had begun to be a man a few months back and he said many touching things continues chauchetiere but nobody profited by them at all except catherine the old men withdrew one after another and left the speaker almost entirely alone catherine could not separate herself from these newcomers she declared to the father that she must indeed go away even at the cost of her life she was too unhappy and distrustful of herself and her own powers of endurance to remain longer in the country where she was exposed to so many and such constant trials of her strength and her faith father de lamberville moved by her earnest words spoke to hot ashes and his companions about her he asked if it would be possible for them to take her back with them to canada certainly they said it was in the hope of assisting her to escape that they had come to caughnawaga hot ashes at once offered tekakwitha his own place in the canoe he said that he intended to go on to oneida and to pass through all the iroquois nations preaching the faith her brother-in-law therefore and the indian from loretta could take the canoe and return with tekakwitha to the praying castle god had provided a means of escape for her most unexpectedly it was the very best opportunity she could have to go her uncle was away and her aunts either through indifference or ignorance of the plan put no obstacle in her path tekakwitha was never known to falter when the moment came for prompt decision and instant action chauchetiere says 
the resolution was no sooner taken than it was carried into execution the two companions of hot ashes put tecaquitha secretly into the canoe with them and immediately took the route leading towards the dutch that is to say they embarked on the mohawk river and followed its course for some distance before taking any one of the different woodland trails leading to lake george End of chapter fifteen